Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob. I'm reading today from a sermon that was once preached by Charles Spurgeon. This message is from a collection of Spurgeon messages created by Perry Boardman. It's known as Spurgeon's Gems. Today's message is from volume two, and it's number 54. It's part two of that sermon, How We Derive Benefit from the Blood of Christ. We're talking about Christ, our Passover. Christ, our Passover, is slain for us. The Jew could not say that. He could say a lamb, but the lamb, even Christ, our Passover, was not yet become a victim. And there are some of my hearers within these walls tonight who cannot say Christ, our Passover, is slain for us. But glory be to God, some of us can. There are not a few here who have had uh, laid their hands on the glorious scapegoat. And now they can put their hands upon the lamb also. And they can say, yes, it is true. He is not only slain, but Christ our Passover is slain for us. We derive benefit from the death of Christ in two modes. First, by having his blood sprinkled on us for our redemption. Second, by our eating his flesh for food. That's regeneration and sanctification. The first aspect in which a sinner views Jesus is that of a lamb slain, whose blood is sprinkled on the doorpost and on the lintel. Note the fact that the blood was never sprinkled on the threshold. It was sprinkled on the lintel, the, the top of the door, on the side post, but never on the threshold. For woe unto him who tramples underfoot the blood of the Son of God. Even the priest of Dagon trod not on the threshold of his God, much less will the Christian trample underfoot the blood of the paschal lamb. But his blood must be on our right hand to be our constant guard, and on our left to be our continual support. We want to have Jesus Christ sprinkled on us, and as I told you before, it is not alone the blood of Christ poured out on Calvary that saves a sinner. It's the blood of Christ sprinkled on the heart. Let us turn to the land of Zoan. Do you not think you behold the scene tonight? It's an evening. The Egyptians are going homeward, little thinking of what is coming. But just as soon as the sun is set, a lamb is brought into every house. The Egyptian strangers passing by say, These Hebrews are about to keep a feast tonight, and they retire to their houses utterly careless about it. The father of the Hebrew house takes his lamb and, examining it once more with anxious curiosity, looks it over from head to foot to see if it has a blemish. He finds none. My son, he says to one of them, bring here the basin. It is held. He stabs the lamb, and the blood flows into the basin. Do you not think you see the sire as he commands his matronly wife to roast the lamb before the fire? Take heed, he says, that not a bone be broken. Do you see her intense anxiety as she puts it down to roast, lest a bone should be broken? Now, says the father, bring a bunch of hyssop. A child brings it. The father dips it into the blood. Come here, my children, wife and all. 
uh, see what I'm about to do. He takes the hyssop in his hands, dips it in the blood, and sprinkles it across the lintel and the doorpost. His children say, what do you mean by this ordinance? And he answers, this night the Lord God will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. The thing is done. The lamb is cooked. The guests are set down to it. And the father of the family has supplicated a blessing. They're sitting down to feast upon it. And mark how the old man carefully divides joint from joint, lest a bone should be broken. It is particular that the smallest child of the family should have some of it to eat, for so the Lord has commanded. Do you not think you see him as he tells them, It is a solemn night. Make haste. In another hour we shall all go out of Egypt. He looks at his hands, they are rough with labor, and clapping them, he cries, I am not to be a slave any longer. His eldest son, perhaps, has been smarting under the lash, and he says, Son, you have had the taskmaster's lash upon you this afternoon, but it is the last time you shall feel it. He looks at them all with tears in his eyes. This is the night. The Lord God will deliver you. Do you see them with their hats on their heads, and their loins girt, and, and their staves, sticks in their hands? It's the dead of the night. And suddenly, they hear a shriek. The father says, Keep within doors, my children. You will know what it is in a moment. Now another shriek, another shriek. Shriek succeeds shriek. They hear perpetual wailing and lamentation. Remain within, he says. The angel of death is flying abroad. A solemn silence is in the room, and they can almost hear the wings of the angel flap in the air as he passes their blood-marked door. Be calm, says the sire. That blood will save you. The shrieking increases. Eat quickly, my children, he says again. And in a moment the Egyptians coming, saying, Get thee hence, get thee hence, we care not for the jewels that you have borrowed. You have brought death into our houses. Oh, says a mother, go, for God's sake, go. My eldest son lies dead. <clears throat> go, says a father, go, and peace go with you. It were an ill day when your people came into Egypt, and our king began to slay your firstborn, for God is punishing us for our cruelty. Ah, see them leaving the land. The shrieks are still heard. The people are busy about their dead. As they go out, a son of Pharaoh is taken away, unembalmed, to be buried in one of the pyramids. Presently, they see one of their taskmaster's sons taken away. A happy night for them when they escape. Do you see, my hearers, a glorious parallel? They had to sprinkle the blood and also to eat the lamb. Ah, my soul, have you ever had the blood sprinkled on you? Can you say that Jesus Christ is yours? It's not enough to say he loved the world and gave his son. You must say he loved me and gave himself for me. And there's another hour coming, dear friends, when we shall all stand before God's bar and then God will say, Angel of death, 
You once did smite Egypt's firstborn. You know your prey. Unsheathe your sword. I behold the great gathering. You and I are standing amongst them. It is a solemn moment. All men stand in suspense. There is neither hum nor murmur. The very stars cease to shine, lest the light should disturb the air by its motion. All is still. And God says, Have you sealed those that are mine? I have, says Gabriel. They are sealed by blood, every one of them. And then says he next, Sweep with your sword of slaughter. Sweep the earth and send the unclothed, the unpurchased, the unwashed ones to the pit. Oh, how shall we feel, beloved, when for a moment we see that angel flap his wings. He's just about to fly, but will the doubt cross our mind? Perhaps he will come to me. Oh, no, no, we shall stand and look the angel full in his face. And as the poet says, bold shall I stand in that great day, for who ought to my charge shall lay? While through thy blood absolved I am from sin's tremendous curse and shame. If we have the blood on us, we shall see the angel coming. We shall smile at him. We shall dare to come even to God's face and say, Great God, I'm clean. Through Jesus' blood, I'm clean. But if, my hearer, your unwashen spirit shall stand unshriven before its master and maker, if your guilty soul shall appear with all its black spots upon it, unsprinkled, unsprinkled with the purple tide, how will you speak when you see flash from the scabbard the angel's sword, swift for death and winged for destruction, and when it shall cleave you asunder? Methinks I, I see you standing now. The angel is sweeping away a thousand there, and there is one of your tavern companions. There, one with whom you did dance and swear. There, another who, after attending the same chapel like you, was a despiser of religion. Now death comes nearer to you, just as when the reaper sweeps the field and the next ear trembles because its turn shall come next. I see a brother and a sister swept into the pit. Have I no blood upon me? Then, O oh, rocks, it were kind of you to hide me. You have no benevolence in your arms. Mountains, let me find in your caverns some little shelter, but it is all in vain. For vengeance shall cleave the mountains and split the rocks open to find me out. Have I no blood? Have I no hope? Ah, no, he smites me. Eternal damnation is my horrible portion, the depth of the darkness of Egypt for you, and the horrible torments of the pit from which none can escape. Ah, my dear hearers, could I preach as I could wish, could I speak to you without my lips and with my heart, then would I bid you seek that sprinkled blood and urge you by the love of your own soul, by everything that is sacred and eternal, to labor to get this blood of Jesus sprinkled on your souls. It is the blood sprinkled that saves a sinner. But when the Christian gets the blood sprinkled, 
That is not all he needs. He, he needs something to feed upon. And oh, sweet thought, Jesus Christ is not only a savior for sinners, but he is food for them after they are saved. The paschal lamb by faith we eat. We live on it. You may tell, my hearers, whether you have the blood sprinkled on the door by this. Do you eat the lamb? Suppose for a moment that one of the old Jews had said in his heart, I don't see the use of this feasting. It's quite right to sprinkle the blood on the lintel, or, or else the door will not be known. But, but what good is all this inside? We'll, we'll have the lamb prepared, and we will not break his bones, but we will not eat of it. And suppose he went and stored the lamb away. What would have been the consequence why the, the angel of death would have smitten him as well as the rest, even if the blood had been upon him? And if, moreover, that old Jew had said there, we'll have a little piece of it, but we'll have something else to eat. Ah, we'll have some unleavened bread. We'll not turn the leaven out of our houses. We'll have some leaven. Yeah, if they had not consumed the lamb, but had reserved some of it, then the sword of the angel would have found the heart out as well as that of any other man. Oh, dear hearer, you may think you have the blood sprinkled. You may think you are just, but if you do not live on Christ as well as by Christ, you will never be saved by the paschal lamb. Ah, says some, we know nothing of this. Of course you don't. When Jesus Christ said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you, there were some that said, well, this is a hard saying. Who can bear it? And many from that time went back and walked no more with him. They could not understand him. But Christian, do you not understand it? Is not Jesus Christ your daily food? And even with the bitter herbs, is he not sweet food? Some of you, my friends, who are true Christians, live too much on your changing frames and feelings, on your experiences and evidences. Now that is all wrong. There's, it's just as if a, a worshiper had gone to the tabernacle and began eating one of the coats that were worn by the priest. When a man lives on Christ's righteousness, it's the same as eating Christ's dress, his clothing. When a man lives on his frames and feelings, that's as much as if the child of God should live on some tokens that he received in the sanctuary that never were meant for food, but only to comfort him a little. What the Christian lives on is not Christ's righteousness, but Christ. He does not live on Christ's pardon, but on Christ. And on Christ he lives daily, on nearness to Christ. Oh, I do love Christ preaching. It's not the doctrine of justification that does my heart good. It is Christ, the justifier. It is not pardon that so much makes the Christian's heart rejoice. It is Christ, the pardoner. It's not election that I love half so much as my being chosen in Christ ere worlds began. Ah, it is not final perseverance that I love so much as the thought that in Christ my life is hid, and that since he gives unto his sheep eternal life, they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of his hand. Take care, Christian, to eat the paschal lamb and nothing else. I tell you, man, if you eat that alone, it will be like bread to you, your soul's best food. If you live on aught else but the Savior, you are like one who seeks to live on some weed that grows in the desert. 
Instead of eating the manna that comes down from heaven, Jesus is the manna. In Jesus, as well as by Jesus, we live. Now, dear friends, in coming to this table, we will keep the Paschal Supper. Once more, by faith, we will eat the Lamb. By holy trust, we will come to a crucified Savior and feed on his blood and righteousness and atonement. And now in concluding, let me ask you, are you hoping to be saved, my friends? One says, well, I I don't hardly know. I I hope to be saved, but I, I don't know how. Do you know, you imagine I tell you a fiction when I tell you that people are hoping to be saved by works, but it is not so. It is a reality. In traveling through the country, I meet with all sorts of characters, but most frequently with self-righteous persons. How often do I meet with a man who thinks himself quite godly because he attends church once on a Sunday, who thinks himself quite righteous because he belongs to the establishment? As a churchman said to me the other day, I'm a rigid churchman. I'm glad of that, I said to him because then you are a Calvinist, if you hold the articles. He replied, well, I don't know about the articles. I go more by the rubric. And so I thought he was more of a formalist than a Christian. There are many persons like that in the world. Another says, I believe I shall be saved. I don't know anybody, anything. I've never been a bankrupt. I pay everybody 20 shillings on the pound. I, I never get drunk. And if I wrong anybody at any time, I try to make it up by giving a pound a year to such and such a society. Why, I'm as religious as most people, and I believe I shall be saved. Hmm, that will not do. It's as if some old Jew had said, we don't want the blood on the lintel. We've got a mahogany lintel. We don't want the blood on the doorpost. We have a mahogany doorpost. Ah, whatever it was, the angel would have smitten it if it had not the blood upon it. You may be as righteous as you like if you have not the blood sprinkled. All the goodness of your doorposts and lintels will be of no avail whatever. Yes, says another, I'm I'm not trusting exactly there. I, I believe it is my duty to be as good as I can, but then I think Jesus Christ's mercy will make up the rest. I try to be as righteous as circumstances will allow, And I believe that whatever deficiencies there may be, Christ will make them up. Well, that's as if a Jew had said, Child, bring me the blood. And then when that was brought, he had said, Now, bring me some water. Then he had taken it and mixed it together and sprinkled the doorpost with it. (laughs) Why, the, the angel would have smitten him as well as anyone else because it is blood. Blood, blood, blood that saves. It is not blood mixed with the water of our poor works. It is blood, blood, nothing else. The only way of salvation is by blood. For without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Have precious blood sprinkled upon you, my hearers. Trust in precious blood. Let your hope be in a salvation sealed with an atonement of precious blood. And you are saved. But having no blood or having blood mixed with anything else, you're damned as you are alive. For the angel shall slay you, however good and righteous you may be. Go home then and think of this. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. Amen. Amen. Charles Spurgeon. Thank you again for 
being here today. Um, it is always good when you come, and I know that you're you're hearing good things. Look around the site. We've got 3,000 audios featuring some of the church's great preachers, persecution stories from North Korea, oh, a whole lot more. Just look around. I know you're going to be blessed. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and this audio is being released on the 3rd of May, 2023. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.